Hello there and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and listen to it. There's our hope and prayer that you will be edified and Christ will be glorified. If you want to find out more about us, we encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase. And there you can find out more about us. We have a statement of faith, ways to financially support us, a prayer list if you're a prayer warrior. We do get prayer requests from listeners from around the world. I'd encourage you to go there and put these people on your prayer list. I know they would greatly appreciate that. Today we're going to talk about cleaning out the leaven. Cleaning out the leaven. And if you want to open your Bibles and follow along, I would certainly encourage you to do so. I'm going to start here reading a scripture reading from Exodus chapter 12, verses 14 through 20. Exodus 12, 14 through 20. In the meantime, while you're opening your Bibles and looking at that, I also want to tell the uh, persecuted church out there, I know you're listening. I know where our listeners are at around the world, and we pray for you each and every day. We pray for all of our listeners, but especially for those who are suffering for believing in the gospel. Exodus chapter 12, verses 14 through 20 read, Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove the leaven from your house. For whoever eats any leaven from this first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be eaten by every person that alone will be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of the unleavened bread for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall be observe this day throughout your generations a permanent ordinance. Verse 18. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel whether he is an alien or a native to the land. In verse 20, You shall not any, eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. A lot of repetitiveness there, it seems like, but God's trying to make a point. He doesn't want leaven um, in their diet or in their house for, for this week. Israel had been in slavery in Egypt for years. And in an answer to those prayers, the Israelite people, God will send a man by the name of Moses to Pharaoh. And God's going to tell Moses, uh, give this command to Pharaoh, let my people go. But of course, Pharaoh wouldn't listen. And so God brought ten terrible plagues on Egypt and Pharaoh to try to, to convince them that it was in their best interest to honor the request of letting my people go. This passage here, a scripture that we just read from Exodus chapter 12, we're going to be looking at this in the podcast today, and it describes the beginning of the first and the most important festival in the history of the Jewish people, and that is called 
Passover. From the day of Moses even unto this day, every year Jewish people have partaken in this Passover meal. Their Passover meal celebrates their love for their Lord, who freed them, their ancestors, I should say, from slavery, and who passed over their homes because they obeyed him by putting the blood of a sacrificed lamb on their door frames of their homes. The Passover was only the first feast day in a week-long festival called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. A, a doctor uh, was working in an emergency room when his father brought in his son. And the boy, he had poked up a, a tire from one of his little toy trucks up his nose. The father was really embarrassed, but the doctor assured him that uh, this is something kids often do, sticking things up in their nose. And the doctor quickly removed the tire, and uh, the father and son were on their way. But in a few minutes later, the father went back into the ER room, asked to talk to the doctor in private. And the father uh, went into this examination room where he began to ask the doctor, While we were on the way home, I, I was looking at that little tire and wondered how on the earth did my son get this up his nose? And that's when he began to explain what the real problem was. Fortunately, it was... It only took the doctor a few seconds to get the tire out of his dad's nose. You know, there, there's just certain things that do not belong in a person's nose. They might fit. Uh, they might not even cause much pain, but they don't belong there. There are certain things that, that you do not belong in your bodies. There are certain things that do not belong in our minds. And there are certain things that do not belong in our homes. And the first point I want to try to make in the podcast today is, what intrigued me about this Feast of Unleavened Bread, that it was really designed to teach. The Passover symbolizes the freedom that God wanted to give his people. But that feast was followed by six more days that focused on the fact that God's kind of freedom required his people to remove things from their lives and from their homes. And there in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, God's people were instructed not only not to eat leavened bread during the week, they were not allowed anything that had any yeast in their homes. And anyone who ate anything uh, containing yeast during that, that week, they would be cut off from the people. They're going to be without a tribe. Yeast was used by God's people to, to symbolize the power of sin. Luke chapter 12, verse 1 here. You know, we're going to read that here in a moment. But when Israel offered bread to God along with all their burnt offerings, the bread was never ever to have yeast in it. When Jesus warned his disciples against becoming like the Pharisees here in Luke chapter 12 verse 1, in the meantime when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling on one another, he began to say to his disciples first, 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And when the church in Corinth had a man in their congregation who was engaged in sexual immorality, Paul wrote that they should not associate with that man until he repented. They, they were not even to eat with the man. He said, if they insisted on looking the other way, that man's sin would spread to the rest of them. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says this, Your boasting is not good. Do not, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? You see, yeast was used by God as to give this picture or to, to portray sin in our lives. And the second thing, as I was preparing for this podcast, I, I had to ask myself the question, why would God use yeast to symbolize sin? The, you can look on the internet for pictures of, of bread, and, I, and that's kind of what I did. I, I looked for bread with yeast and bread without yeast. And what really... The yeast really just makes that bread really just puff right up. And, and it makes it really fluffy. But the bread that has no yeast is pretty flat. There's nothing there, it seemed like, in the pictures. And, and, and sin acts in our lives in the many the same ways that yeast works in a loaf of bread. First of all, bread is, with yeast, it really tastes good. Unleavened bread, not all that tasty because I've tried it in the past and really didn't care for it. And that's why we make bread with yeast in it today. I, that's why we buy it and that's why we eat it because we like it. Likewise, sin tastes good. And if it didn't taste good, nobody would be tempted to sin. The second thing here is it doesn't take a whole lot of yeast to, to shape out the flour. It, it warps into this shape and through the dough and very much the same way when sin enters into our, our lives it, it really doesn't take much to change who you are. It doesn't take much to to warp our, our character. The third thing was I, the yeast makes the bread look like it contains more flour in it than what it really actually does. The larger loaf may not contain any more flour than that unleavened bread, that cracker looking stuff. But because of the yeast that's in it, it looks like it has a whole lot more. It sure looks more appealing to the eye. You know, uh, you ever go to a, a, like a Krispy Kreme, a, you can watch the donut guy there making his donuts. And they have these really fluffy, sweet donuts. You know, but when you bite into it, uh, it's like a whole lot of air just kind of escapes out of it. It kind of goes, there's nothing there. Oh, it still tastes good, all that flour and sugar. But there's not as much donut that was there that first appeared to the eye. You know, likewise, sin can make us believe that we have more in our lives than we really do. 
sin like bitterness and, and hatred can make us feel that we have more power over others. Sin like hypocrisy and, and bigotry can make us feel more important than what we actually really are. And the sins of, of getting drunk and, and getting high could fool us into thinking we've gained more control over our lives. Sin can make us believe we have gained more of something in our lives. In reality, all we have gained is more decay and rot and denial. Lastly, yeast causes the bread to mold and decay from the inside out. If you leave out a loaf of bread out on the counter here too long, what happens to it? It, it gets moldy. The crackers seem like they last forever, seems like. But unleavened bread will eventually decay and rot. But there's no yeast in it. It just takes a lot longer for that to occur. You see, in the same way, sin has power to cause our lives and our homes to decay and to rot. And that's why, really, God hates sin. Because it destroys us. It takes away the joy that we could have. It takes away peace that we could have that He really wants us to, to have. And that doesn't mean that we will not have struggles in our life. But we can have peace knowing God loves us. You know, parents, they, they are the gatekeepers of the house, really. And you and I uh, are the ones who, with the keys to the house, and God relies upon us to, to make sure that the destructiveness of the world does not get through the front door. You know, we all know there are certain television shows, movies, books, magazines, games. Probably the list is probably longer than I can think off the top of my head. That teach lessons against that things that we maybe we don't want our family to really learn. We don't want to have to explain to our daughters maybe what some of those words really mean. Does it mean that we want our children to be naive or stupid? But we don't want to feed them a garbage. See, we all know our kids should not be associating maybe with certain kinds of friends or Maybe we should not be letting those friends into our house. Hopefully, by the time our children are, are becoming more a, a teenager, that they have an understanding what the expectation is of school, grades, uh, church, friends that they pick and hang out with, the places they go, and so on. If you're waiting until they're 16, 17 years old, it's too late. You've done lost them. You know, we all know if our kids get a hold of alcohol or drugs, uh, it's going to destroy them. It's, it's going to be hard on their bodies. They may not develop correctly. They may, uh, they may go to jail. They may get really punished, kicked out of school, uh, be real embarrassed about things. And so... If we know those things are bad, why do we want those things in our home? Why do we want those things in our church? Why do we want those things in our lives, period? 
we have to make up our minds that anything that would hurt our family should not be let in the front door, should not be left to come in through the back door or the crack in the open window. Children have never been a good uh, at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them when they have bad habits. By giving the impression to certain kinds of television programs, activities, beverages, drugs, behavior, whatever, if we give the impression that's only for grown-ups and that's all that grown-ups can do, these things, we're teaching the children a lie. A lie that this is what mature people do. And children will desire that maturity. They, they will pursue that, pursue that maturity until early in their lives as possible because they, they want to be all grown up. We all grew up. I know growing up, I... I didn't want to be called a kid. I didn't want to be called immature. I wanted to be uh, like my parents. I wanted respect from people in society. But the moment we, we buy into the heresy of our morality that is something different than the uh, morality that we expect for them, the lock on the door is broken and the whole world will walk right in. When we say, oh, we can't, you can't do that, but I can because I'm over 18. Well, if it's wrong for the kid to do it, it's probably wrong for you as an adult to be doing it. There might be some exceptions uh, to that rule. You get a driver's license and drive a car. Again, there's an expectation there of having to grow up and have a little bit of maturity and common sense to learn how to drive a car and the responsibility that goes with that. And that's why God did not teach his people to remove the leaven only from their children's lives. He taught them to get those things completely out of the house, out of every room, off the rooftops, out of the garage, out of the storage, wherever, out of their lives, and out of everyone's home. Essentially, that means if it's bad for your kids, it's bad for you. I mean, that's plain and simple. Here's the Apostle Paul, uh, chapter 5, verse 6, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? All it takes is as a simple opening of the door for sin to, to sneak into your home. And it will affect the lives of everyone you love. And I really think that's what God is trying to teach us here. And the more I thought about this passage here in Exodus chapter 12, I noticed something intriguing, very interesting. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was only done once a year. They removed the leaven from their homes roughly uh, in the month of April. Does that sound like something uh, that we do? Well, I don't know about the entire world, but here in the Western world, my mother, grandmother, uh, that time of year they called it spring cleaning. The winter was coming to an end, and they wanted to open up the house and clean it up, get it smell good, let fresh air in, and get all the yucky stuff out. 
Everyone does this occasional spring cleaning idea. And I'm sure every culture in the world does as well. They may not call it spring cleaning, but they go through their, their house several times a year and just do a really deep cleaning. For those things that are collected and cluttered up around the house and so on. And, and so once in a while we realize that we have to clean our house. And we have to get rid of all that clutter and the trash that's accumulated throughout the year. I know some of us are pack rats and whatnot, but even eventually that stuff's got to go. It's not that we plan to have all this clutter in our homes. We just begin to realize, hey, it's there. It's the same way that the world influences us. In spite of our best efforts, some of the, the world's R-rated thinking and morality slips into our, our homes. Either by influences our children encounter or by an adult bringing that stuff into the home. To try and prepare for the Passover, the family would spend an entire week just cleaning and scouring the house for every little crumb of yeast that they could find. And why did they do that? that that's, you're talking very labor-intensive thing, probably. That they did it because God commanded Go back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 19. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leaven, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a soldier or a native of the land. In other words, they were not just getting rid of the yeast that happened to be laying around on the floor. They had to look in every nook, cranny, and corner, as we would call it. Every hidden corner of their home uh, to find the leaven and remove it. This is what we need to do with our homes. Every once in a while, we need to look uh, our homes over. We need to ask ourselves, would that magazine uh, prescription please God? Do those books hinder the way I walk with God? Do those TV programs I watch undermine my family's values and faith in Christ? Problems in our homes can often come from thinking just a little trash won't hurt. What I want us all to remember from this podcast is that there are certain false conceptions that can undermine your efforts to protect your family from the influences of the world. Two of these we've already covered. The first one was this. False conception is that you as an adult can have a different morality than your children. And the second one was, is the belief that just a little bit of sin will make no difference at all. But there is this false concept this last idea is simply removing sinful influences from your home will protect your family. This springs from this concept that, that freedom comes from removing sin in our lives. And actually, Scripture teaches that 
freedom comes from God and we remove the sin from our lives because he has shown us mercy. The Feast of Unleavened Bread focused on removing the sinfulness as symbol of sin from the home. This week-long festival began with the celebration of their freedom from slavery. The Passover meal, in other words, it, it wasn't the removal of sin from their home that made them free. It was God who had made them free. Removing sin from their lives was was not made making them free. Removing the sinful element was based upon the freedom God had given them. They removed the sin because God had provided them freedom. Not only is this an Old Testament idea. Turn with me here to Romans chapter 6. In the previous chapter of Romans, Paul explained God loved us so much it pleased him to forgive our sins. So in the opening verses of Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul basically is saying, if it pleases God so much to forgive our sins, why don't we really make him happy and sin a lot? But notice here, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And notice this, by no means. How can we who die to sin live in it? Too often people say uh, they don't want to become a Christian until they get their house cleaned up, get their lives in order. What they're failing to realize is it's not the removing of the yeast of their past sins that will make them acceptable to God. We can only be free when we accept Jesus on his terms. We have to believe who he is, that he is the Lord and the Savior, he's the creator of the world, that we need repentance in our life and repentance is a lifelong project folks it's not a one-time occurrence somebody here a while back told me that we're not commanded to repent well yeah we're supposed to have that changing of that heart that's what repentance is changing of that heart from a worldly sinful view to a godly view and we need to know who he is you know, we, we can, I've said this before, I know in other podcasts. We all know who the President of the United States is. We all know who the Queen of England is. But does she or he know you and me? Probably not. See, there's not a relationship there. So Jesus needs to not only know who you are, but you also need to know who he is. We need to effectively really clean out our home and our life in our heart clean that all out get it out ask God to cleanse it out have the Holy Spirit come dwell there and we need to live a faithful life I didn't say it was easy but with Christ all things are possible I hope and pray that if you have sin in your life that you will find Christ to have it removed and cleanse it with his blood and and that you can tell others about who Jesus is I hope that you will tell others about the podcast 
that it's been encouraging to you. We have more and more listeners each and every week, and we appreciate that. And we, we get positive emails and comments. Uh, we, we praise God for those. And we hope and pray that we'll continue to be able to use this format to touch lives for Christ and His kingdom, and that you will tell others about us and share us so they also may tune in. Again, I encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase, and there you can find links to our uh, LinkedIn page and our Twitter account. Also, there is a, a page there uh, for prayer request. I, please, folks, if you if you really love to pray for other people, uh, I would encourage you to go there and look at the names and, and see what they're wanting and needing in their prayers. And if you need a prayer from these uh Listeners, uh, we get about a hundred or so hits a week on our web page, and most of them are going to that prayer uh, page. Uh, we would love to add your name if you would email us through our web page. There is a contact page there, and we would just really, really enjoy being able to do that for you. I thank all the financial supporters out there. I know that you're listening, and I appreciate that. Without you, uh, we would not be able to broadcast this podcast. If you'd like to be able to support us in prayer, please do so. We, we need prayers as well. And financially, we can always use the help to continue uh, the podcast from week to week and year to year. Thank you again for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory.